Greetings, fellow Wordlings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave, seeking the truth and exposing the lies. I'm your host, Dave Smith. All right, let's get into it. In this episode, I am joined by my friend Dub from the Stereo app. Dub is an audio producer and a deep thinker. We go deep down the rabbit hole of this stream of consciousness in this conversation. I hope you enjoy. Have you heard of Ormus? Tell me. So there's a myth or a legend or a history that these beings originally came here to mine gold, to mine gold. Um, and apparently near Hawaii was one of the richest areas. Um, and they would make this gold, these cakes with, and you can even see people doing this procedure on YouTube. Some science geeks have, have, have made this substance Ormus. So you can take gold and run it through a chemical process and you get this white powder. So you can take like a gram of gold, run it, you know, run through this process, which I believe in, excuse me, involves um, sulfuric acid and a couple other components, compounds. And then you end up with a gram of this white powder, but it doesn't weigh anything. Um, and it's edible. And so apparently, these beings, the pharaohs, used to make cakes, little, you know, donut-shaped little cakes out of this ormus and eat it. And apparently it um, restores bodily function. And there's myths or rumors that Methuselah and these people that are rumored to have been 900 years old, that it's because they were eating ormus. Um and in some of the hieroglyphs, you can see these cakes being like handed to the uh, to the pharaoh, like as an offering. It's pretty interesting. Well, that would make total sense, you know, because we have a, you know, from the dawn of mankind, we've always had a relationship with entheogens, you know, plant medicines, mm-hmm. and whether that was for you know sacraments or for you know vision quests or. Uh, or what have you and 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 that's been a constant theme throughout you know it's like when you when you look at all the structures of you know the um say the religious temples of the planet invariably you'll see some um thematic threats you know you'll see you know pine cone representations you know that basically a reflection of the pineal gland and right. it's always uh fascinating to me how how limited we will allow ourselves to be as far as our basic understanding of, of history. And I remember a few years ago, you know, for various reasons, you know, I think I've gotten a little more critical. You know, I think I was more predisposed to flights of fancy when I was younger. And I was definitely really fascinated by every kind of oddball conspiracy ever just entertaining the idea of nothing else. Right. And then just kind of putting it into its own test and, and seeing whether or not that holds up as far as I can tell. But there comes a point when you kind of go past that and, and, and then say, well, what is the most reasonable aspect of that? Or why would that be um, a speculation? And it, it shows that 
it's almost as if we expand and contract like a like a cosmos like a black hole right and as far as our knowledge and that i think a key component to this is i think people maybe don't give enough credence to the idea that the earth itself is consciousness that it is a living breathing organism and that we have relation to that which is undeniable right and right. the mysteries of that are are endless okay um but but we tend to exhibit patterns and i say we this you know humans you know uh and why is it that you know invariably corruption occurs or greed happens or treachery or war you know that seems to be a baseline human trait right it's only aspirational that we want to be peaceful right and and also what do we like to do we like to hoard resources and, and that could be that could be information that could be humans that could be money that could be um weapons um um agriculture um you know so on and so forth but i i think it's very telling that why is it that we aren't allowed to access vast portions of this earth I mean, just on a baseline there, even if you don't subscribe to anything that's outside of the normal world purview, that's pretty telling. Well, not only that, but we're not allowed to access our certain aspects of our consciousness. Well, there's that. Now that's a whole other thing. Right. So I'm, I'm with you on the, like, why is the Antarctic and the pole so guarded, what is going on? Right. Like you would think that to be something incredibly compelling for every nation state to concede to that notion. And they do because you'd think it would be the best, you know, program like, you know, the blue planet or nature or national geographic. You'd think they'd be all over it. Right. Um, but they're not access denied and then that's a parallel to our psyche right like why are psychedelic drugs the only drugs that have never killed anybody why are they so banished and so um it well comes down to potentiality and consciousness and i think that that's the story of this age it's the unfolding of consciousness that is irrefutable and here's the other thing it's unstoppable and so mm-hmm. when you talk about these other potentially spe- other species that are amongst us, it's a, it's kind of important that we free ourselves from the conception of like, oh, these alien beings or little, you know, that like you got to put that to the side and say, ah, it's not, it's not that different than us, but it is different. And it makes certain things make a whole lot more sense. Why is it that we tend to rise and have these genocidal periods in the culture, whether that was Stalin, whether that was Mao, whether that was Hitler, this seems to be a trend, right? You talk about Epstein, that's what his goal was. They always get these genocidal fever dreams, right? Because Mm -hmm. what comes next after you have all of the wealth of the world, that's not enough, right? You have these like messianic visions and whatnot. That tends to be like this, um, it's kind of, we're kind of hardwired for that, which is, should really give us pause, you know, but, 
but we have to acknowledge that if that's capable in any one of us, then it's possible for any one of us. Yeah. Right. And so it's, and I think in, in acknowledging that that's the, about the darkest aspects of our shadow selves that we can look at. We, we kind of eradicate this idea of the other, you know, and this other, well, it's that fault. It's that group. It's that group. It's this, that, well, it's, that's a, that's a pretty lazy way to do it, you know, and it's, and it's, it's not a fruitful way to um, problem solve, right? Because you're, you're, you're limiting yourself as far as the information you can aggregate, you know? Exactly. But, I mean, imagine as, as addictive as cocaine can be and the crazy things and the lengths that people will go to, to for some cocaine. Now imagine the lengths that people would go to for all the cocaine. And right. now imagine the drug of power being so superior that cocaine is like a glass of water. Because you got to ask yourself, like, what comes next there? You know, where, where does it end? It doesn't end. You know, that's where, it never ends. right? That's where, you know, so I think that that's, it's almost in our DNA that we, we, um, we rise and we fall, right? And then we achieve certain objectives. And maybe we have this little window period that we're the quote unquote apex predator or, or what have you. And then we go away, you know? And it's like, as long as you're not attached to the notion of what that is, then it doesn't have to devolve into he said, she said, or suspicion or paranoia or wild speculation and conjecture. You can see the natural order of things like that. And that makes a lot of things that haven't previously make sense, make more sense. What am I saying? You know, the direct lineage of some of these, you know, the Anunnaki to the human alien hybrids, let's say. Why would that be implausible? <laughs> right? I mean, completely plausible. I mean, if you look up at stories and think there is something, you know, everywhere from seventy to eighty species go extinct on the Earth every day. Yeah, right. And like, there's just certain things that occur that kind of transcend our ability to even imagine that. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, or that it could potentially be real. Another mind blow is more species have gone extinct than exist on Earth today. Right. So like, look at that. And, and so and if you drag the timeline out long enough, where do we fit on that timeline? You know, at the, at the very end of it, we, we get drunk we, on this thimble full of power thinking that because we have a smartphone and we've got a new improved yeah. cheese cheetos that were the apex of civilization when right it's just it's just this it peaks and it goes you know and and i've said it over and over again it doesn't matter if we're talking about the assyrians the aztecs the mayans the atlanteans the you know how many you know how much time you got you know um but it does make sense when you look at the context of absolute power corrupts absolutely and so you've got these lineages that have a vested interest in retaining control and power. And that's irrefutable. That's an age old story, right? Yeah. Timeless. So, you know, who's, who's pulling the strings, you know, behind the scenes in say Taiwan, in China, in Russia, in India, you know, does it matter? I don't know, but I'm just saying that 
you can see the spider web of influence, you know, and I, I remember growing up, I, uh, you know, my mother was kind of into some stuff like that. And I remember I was probably eight or nine years old and she had the, uh, the CFR on, the, on our fridge as trilateral commission and, and council on foreign relations. And so I remember thinking, Oh, Oh, so, you know, at that time there's ABC, NBC and CBS, <laughs> right? Yeah. I remember you know, that. Bland, but now and limited. Right. Um, and so you're told this thing and then you got to do these mental gymnastics to say, Oh, but this is the way it really is. You know, just, you got Nancy Reagan telling you to just say no, you know, <laughs> as she's, as she's popping pills and going to rehab. But I'm just saying the hypocrisy of all that things. And it's just like, it's interesting how limited our, our, our scope of history is. And it's like, and if you don't believe that it's, you could go around this room right now, you put down a piece of paper in front of everybody and say, give me the official account of 9-11 to the best of your ability or, or name anything. It doesn't matter. You know, right. JFK, you know, and then hand it in. Let's cross-reference all of those. And then let's have a 400-foot wall of water come and wash us all away. And then a 1,000 years from now, the next species digs up and they get your account of what happened that day. And forevermore, that's the historical accurate assessment of what happened mm -hmm. you know and if you look at yeah. it it's, just, it's the same thing and that got me thinking recently is, is what is true from from history yeah well, i'm sure After a lot of it you start scratching at it it's, it's hard to hard to say what is i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of truths that are right in front of us and then there's myths which are actually oral traditions handed down right like the anunnaki right, yeah. like like the nephilim you know where the sumerians wrote about these they're mentioned in the bible you know the great flood these things probably are not quote unquote myths they're probably oral history well, and there's a reason why they keep getting perpetuated. You know, mythos is the Greek word for story, right? That's there how we accept. That's how we accept information the best. But it's interesting how there's always fertility myths. There is flood myths. There are these patterns repeat over and over again. And you know, history might not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. <laughs> well, I've heard people say, like, you know, if we did have an advanced society in the past blah 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 th there would be signs of it but not if you know you just mentioned a 400 foot wall of water well imagine that there is truth to the poles shifting super rapidly i've heard that it would create a mile high wall of water that would erase any trace of anything right that and then you to level the playing field it tends to trump any yeah. other argument you don't negotiate with a mile high wall of water coming at you. That just no. pretty much puts everything to, it just knocks you into another space time continuum, basically. And, you know, and so, I mean, look at your story. Well, look at this, though, then. I think you just made a great point there <laughs> that let's just take the thought experiment. Who knows? But let's just say that that was imminent and that there was a select few people that were privy to that kind of knowledge. Well, then they would make a lot of this illogical behavior start to make a little bit more sense. 
this heightened sense of irrationality because it's just a mad dash for the the resources before they go out the door, you know? Mm -hmm. Because we tend to have patterns that we we kind of adhere to, you know? I've often thought that, that there are certain people among us that know more and and that know it's futile. (laughs) Um, So they're doing their thing because it's all futile. And so is that just like ultimate nihilism or is it just is self-preservation in their eyes? Yeah, I think it's self-preservation, right? The deep underground military bunkers that you and I won't ever get to see, Um, you know, these stores of food, all these things, right? That are probably, that are, that are probably all, you know, a grasp at at um at the ungraspable <laughs> so what is <laughs> you know? what is the story of it to to make it more concrete if you were to if you were to to lay it out you know say that you know that you know we're at the peak of what we've ever known as far as a population on a planet and we've seen what our habits are and you know you know it's interesting when <clears throat> You know, people look back at the at the past and they talk about empires and falling and whatnot. They kind of always kind of have this conceptualization that it happened overnight. But, you know, sometimes it takes 40, 50, 60 years and then it happens overnight. Right. And if you look at, like, say, America, you know, we probably hit our peak as undeniably the biggest wealth generator in history that we know of. But that was a really short window. It was really post-World War II to about 1970-ish. And then we go off the 50s through 70s, yeah. And then goes to the gold standards, goes off of that. That's what we peg our, you know, uh, our currency to. And then we go to uh, petroleum after that. And that's when you started hearing the first inklings of peak oil. And that was when Shell Oil came out with these uh, studies and whatnot saying, look, there's X amount of oil. And it goes rapidly, and then it's a precipitous drop off after that. It's you know what I mean, and and because of our consumption, whether or not that's true, that's what was starting to be integrated into uh, the atmosphere and the dialogues of the power structures, the exons, the shells, the yeah, codes, all, all the ones that were really calling the shots. And we are, without a doubt, we're a tr- petroleum based civilization. You know, it's like there has been nothing that has come along that can replace that yet. You know, I mean, there's talk of nuclear power being that, or maybe there's some other things that, you know, they they speculate on. But as of right now, you couldn't run the city of Chicago on solar. It can't happen. It's not possible. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's an age of like, you know, it's an energy battle, but then also it's kind of our consciousness. It's what we know, what we don't know, the unknowns, the things that are just outside of our grasp. And I think that that is the, the playground of the unknown unknowns, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get all that spelled on you. But but I but, think if, um, we, if we if we if we bring it back to relatable terms, because I think that that's one of the mistakes that people make when they kind of go off the reservation on some 
wild ass information things, you know, it's like, it still has to become applicable. There still needs to be utility to that information. Right. So, you know, on a personal level, what does that mean to you? You know, it's like, you can be invested in your, your, your household, yourself, your body, your mind, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Having that kind of autonomy and you could have conviction about that. And maybe that's where you draw the line. Right. Um, because we're, there's a rich tradition of control that we humans like to do to one another, right? And there's a vast, you know, swath of people thinking that we're heading towards kind of a technocratic, um, you know, social credit rating based blockchain uh, commerce. Uh, yeah. sphere. And wouldn't you know? that be the play? If our masters are having trouble and we've escaped off of the playground and now we're able to develop tools and weapons that equalize the playing field, wouldn't that be the ultimate play to try to digitalize everything so that you can just have access to the power switch, right? Because your your digital bank account's not going to work if your chip's turned off. Right. Well, that's a great point, but it makes me wonder though, you know, it goes twofold. Let's just like use blockchain as an example. You know, there's these, the true believers that think this is immutable. Um, it's the thing that's going to supersede, uh, uh, the intermediaries, the banking systems as if they're going to allow for that, but let's just go ahead and buy that premise. Do you think that a, the genie's out of the bottle and that really is imminent? which would totally change the paradigm of the power structure or they're bad faith actors. And they're the ones that hold, you know, the levers still, and you're just being drawn in. No, I think it's like, uh, I think Sarah Connor (laughs) developed blockchain and the machines are trying to fight that and go with their own central bank digital currency which they can manipulate and and uh and control as they do our fiat currency currently but yeah i'm i'm of the thought that the blockchain would be money oven for the people not even just money but i think we should be voting that way because it's an untamperable record because the only thing that could come between that, so you say that it's a decentralized um, um, recognition of value, okay? Um, but and with ledgers and, and so on, and, you know, try explaining blockchain to people. It's, you know, but, but they said the only thing that could really prevent that is quantum computing. Well, we have that. It's here. It's not coming. It's here. So that's where it gets really interesting. Yep. Because now you got to ask yourself, you know, if you draw back to the root of what gives that value, we don't know. We don't know who holds, say, the original Bitcoins. We don't know who created it. How? How is that possible? Right. Yeah, I'm convinced Bitcoin's a scam and that they're going to pull the drain plug any day you know and people are going to lose all the that, money. either 
if that's pegged to that directly or indirectly, you know, what are you going to do? So I guess what it says is it all points to no one knows what tomorrow brings, right? But you can assure that you can be invested in localism. Yep. And that's, that's what brings it on home. That's the thing that is relevant. Because otherwise, it's just taken as fear-mongering or wild speculation and conjecture, which, you know, portions of it might be, right? But I don't get also, I don't get afraid though. I'm not coming at it. I'm coming at it from pure curiosity, not from a place of fear at all. That's absolutely true. That's exactly where I come from. I I'm I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I appreciate novelty and curiosity. And to me, that's a synonym for living, really. Um, totally. And so you're right. I don't come from a place of fear. Um, it's interesting insofar as it's a story that we're a part of, but we are also authors of that as well and that's not just a feel-good slogan you know we are incredibly energetic fields and then when we coalesce and we have shared objectives it literally you know it could move mountains it can it can start revolutions I was, you know i was and just gonna say that mountains can you be talk moved. about you talk about like Afghanistan being the graveyard of empires. It just took a small group of people with who really wanted it. You know? Yeah. It's the David and Goliath. Five right? hundred monks with Tibetan horns can move, you know, thousand pound stones. So I don't think that, you know, just because a lot of these things lie outside of our current understanding. What if? What if? Okay, there's that. Okay, hold that in place. Also, we come to that point of feeling powerless and that we don't possess any leverage. Heck, most people don't have a thousand bucks in their bank account, right? So mm-hmm. like to think about the scale and magnitude of these kinds of things is it's literally beyond comprehension. You know, we toss out numbers like $33 trillion. What does that mean? Tell me what that means. Right. Yeah. Who knows what that means, right? And we're supposed a lot to of like, big think about that. That's supposed to be relevant to our lives, right? But I, I'm always impressed with tangible skill sets. And so I think that it's inevitable and we look around irrefutable that this is some of the most um, accelerated change that has occurred on Earth probably in, I don't know, what do you say, 40, 50,000 years, maybe more? And it, and it tends yeah, to come way, in a, yeah. You know, they say epoch is a is a is a period of time. You know, a period of time being from let's say the 1700s to now. It's an epoch, right? Well, just look at just look at the numbers. You know, on planet Earth in 1950, there was 2.1 billion people. There's an excess of 8.2 billion now. Just in numbers, right? And at whatever scale and scope that they are living their lives and consuming resources and whatnot and consenting to play in this game in this way. But that can't go on forever, right? And I don't even say that as like a doom and gloom thing or or, or some kind of prediction or anything like that, but it's invariable. You know, look look at all of the, the chickens coming home to roost now, right? And we could just give lists as long as our arm, whether that's the oceans, whether that's blah, 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 blah. 
Well, nature has a way of keeping populations in a certain balance. Yeah. I think nature right. is bad enough. I think nature wins every time. Yeah. You know, the rabbit population goes up, so does the bobcat population. The rabbit population goes down, so does the bobcat population. And I think it's the hubris um, of man. That so I don't think we're anywhere. Would... I don't think we're anywhere near maxing the population potential of the planet. No. But there's people putting a stranglehold on distribution. Uh, that's, you know, play, power brokers are the problem. At, at our point in the game right now, um, I, but, I wonder know, if you can well, ever get past that. You know, that's the thing that seems to rear its ugly I head wonder. time and time again. Which, yeah. like, if you can take, and, if you can take, the, take the moral aspect of that out, say, like, war is bad, and you need and all these kinds of things, right? Why is it that continuously that's what we do to each other? Why is it that there isn't like some, you know, like really at this period of earth has probably been the most peaceful period of earth and you know, if you want to call it that but if that gives you any context right well i would say it's what we were talking about earlier with the the ultimate powers are playing chess you know um and so would you would you we get all the story this? about what it's about but it's really about limiting our numbers <laughs> reducing our numbers so that we don't rise up and challenge them. <laughs> I think that's what it's really about. And that takes time. You know, I think people can't understand that this is something that is thought about and it's, and it's played out through generations. And most people, you know, and no, no problem. They only think in the context of their lifetime, right? Well, mm -hmm. how could somebody, you know, but if you think back to just go look at any banking family, right? It was their father, 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 it was their father. And so yeah. Joseph Kennedy had an agenda. And then John and Robert carried out to this point. And then that, ba 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 right? That's how it's always yeah. been. Where there's certain aspects and people that have kind of risen to a position where they're looking at the long view over that and they have objectives. And so they've been wanting to consolidate the power structure of the planet for at least out loud since the 40s. But it's only now that it's all kind of coalescing. You know, I mean, George Bush said New World Order in what, 1991? Well, well even before that, I mean, because what was it? Was it, is it Meyer Rothschild that was right. the original that, that sent yeah. his four sons to four different continents to start? the banking entities that would then rule the world. Um, That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. And remember, if you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm putting down, please spread it around with friends and on social media. Reviews on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts are greatly appreciated. All right. Until next time.